Well, it's good to be back with you. I appreciate the uh, prayers and thoughts as I had an illness right after Christmas that was not fun, but I'm thankful for doctors and medicines and healing, so I feel, feel much better. Um, wanted to um, let you know that uh, James has already mentioned we're excited about our youth tonight. They're having what's called First Sunday. This is a, a new event for them, for kids in the community, middle school and high schoolers. So we're excited about them coming here tonight at 6 o'clock. And uh, so that's where a lot of this stuff on the stage is. So we're really excited to see what happens tonight and appreciate your prayers through that. So I know many of you have probably been thinking about or thought about New Year's resolutions. Am I right? At least thought about it, you know. I hear that those who just think about it really never goes anywhere. You have to actually write it down and have a plan for it, right? And some of us just kind of... But anyway, so recently I was looking through the internet, just looking at different um, resolutions that I heard people say that they were going to have this year. So I'm just going to share some of those. The first one is, now you got to think about this, okay? Get lost without any help from Siri. Think about that, Okay. Check facts before I share them on social media. Ooh, that's a good one. Stop kids from flossing in public. And I'm not talking about dental floss, if y'all know what I mean. All right? You know what I'm talking about? That dance that's really annoying? Okay, that's what somebody put. Somebody put, stop being late, uh, exclamation point. Get organized, exclamation point. Ask for feedback. Listen twice as much as I talk. That's a good one. Finish the projects I failed to finish in 2019. <laughs> Develop a specific written life plan. And this one I really like. Encourage someone daily. That was some of the resolutions I heard. So as we go into 2020, you may or may not have them. But many of us think about those things. I know about during the holidays, I usually start thinking about. I know there's some things I want to change. There's some things that I need to stop doing, and there's some things I need to start practicing. Maybe it's something that I need to start practicing consistently to develop myself physically, maybe mentally, like I'm going to read more books, emotionally, whatever it is, and spiritually. Um, and it can be not only for my own good, but for the good of my family, for the good of where I work, the people I'm around, my environment. Uh, maybe for my job or my career, but there's things we think about. And resolutions can not only be about starting something or uh, starting a new practice, but it can also be about stop doing or stop practicing some, some things in our life that we're doing that we know are not very helpful. Maybe because we've reached a point where we realize these practices, you know what, they're not working for me. This isn't working, and I know it's not working. Certain, certain practices have us in a place that we say, I don't really want to be here, whether it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually, but I know I need to change that, so I've got to stop doing this, and I've got to start doing something else. And sometimes we become discouraged um, when we make uh, you know, New Year's resolutions about halfway through. I was reading different statistics about how gym memberships go up significantly in January, and then by February there's this lull you know, where people don't show up, different things. Um, but sometimes life hits us hard, and we're in the midst of trying to make a difference, trying to make some changes in our life, but sometimes because of the discouragement of life, we just fall back onto old habits, don't we? Well, it's just easier to keep going back to the way I've been doing things. I tried that, it didn't work, so I'm just going to go back to the old ways. 
But when do we become motivated to make change in our lives? Think about that for a minute. When have you in your life become motivated to say, I've got to make a change? It's usually when we get to a point. Now, that's different for everybody, but it's usually when we get to a point where we say, I, I'm, I'm not going to go on like this anymore. And that becomes a different point in a different place in different people's lives. But we're motivated but by different things and at different times. But the older I get, the more I realize that what we practice, it starts to become permanent in our lives, the everyday practices that we do. And I heard somewhere, I was reading something about, somebody says, about 40 to 50% of what we do every day is almost on autopilot. Think about it. Brushing your teeth, putting on your deodorant, all taking a shower. There's a lot of things that are just almost on autopilot. We don't even have to think about them. They're a permanent part of what we practice every day. But there's a lot of other things that we, that we start to develop. <clears throat> but I had a friend that I played ball with for years one day, and we were talking one day about teaching our kids how to play ball. And he was talking about telling his kid, he goes, I tell him, practice makes, and what would you think he would say? Perfect. That's not what he said. He said this, permanent. And I didn't, and I, and I stopped and I go, what? Practice makes permanent. And I thought about that for a minute, and I thought, what a great phrase, because I thought about, I expected to be perfect like you, and I thought, but wait a minute, when you're learning, you're teaching a kid to throw a ball. And I thought about when we learned to first throw a ball or catch a ball. You do it over and over again until finally it's almost like muscle memory, right? Your hand, the eye coordination finally connects with you. And you start to catch that ball for the first time or you start to throw it accurately. Think about riding a bike. Remember the first time you rode a bike? I remember having multiple crashes and skinned knees and things, going over the handlebars and crazy things. Well, how do you stop this thing? You know, but you start learning those things, learning to read for the first time, doing the alphabet doing math, reading the Bible for the first time, all these different things, they've become a permanent part, but they never have become perfect. I never have been able to throw a ball perfect, or I probably would have made it to the major leagues, right? You know, I never have ridden a bike perfectly, but I did it did become permanent. I can't forget how to throw a ball anymore. I can't forget how to catch a ball. I can't forget how to ride a bike anymore. And you say, well, you could have a stroke. You could have a physical an injury that would keep you from doing that again and maybe have to relearn that, but it's a permanent part of who I am. So the things that we practice become permanent in our life. And sometimes we practice things that are very healthy that are permanent, but sometimes we practice things that are not very healthy, and we need to kind of think about that. So as we go into 2020, 2020 doesn't that sound weird? Doesn't it sound so futuristic when you think about it? 2020, I would like us to ask some questions. What practices in my life and your life, are becoming or have become permanent? Think about those. And you know you have them. Do I believe my current practices are making me into who God created me to be in this world? Are the things that I'm practicing show that? And are my life practices building a strong foundation for my future or building something that is weak or insecure? So I want us to ask those questions. Now, Jesus spoke a lot about what we practice in our lives. I think that's what he got most frustrated with the religious leaders of his time. As though he says, we talk about all these things we practice, but do we actually do them ourselves? There was an expectation from God for us to practice in our lives those things which God laid out as foundational truths. He didn't just lay those out, not just to simply recite those things, not just to point out the failure in others, but to practice those things daily in our lives, no matter what the situation. Not just around certain people, like at church. Oh, I better do that. You know, you ever somebody say, don't lie in church. How about not lie at all? You know, just not do that. Um, but 
certain times, certain days, certain places. But Jesus said, no, consistently, wherever you are, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether wherever you are, in the grocery store, at Walmart, wherever you are, be the same person and practice those things consistently wherever you are. So I want us to look at a teaching from Jesus from his Sermon on the Mount that is a simple teaching, but I think speaks volumes um, to us about how we're to lay a solid foundation of what we practice in our lives. Now, I believe for most of us, this will be familiar. If it's not, and you're hearing it for the first time, I think that's great. But listen carefully to what Jesus said. And it's actually Matthew 7. I know in your bulletin it says Matthew 6, but it's actually Matthew 7. That was my bad, and I messed up, and it's in the bulletin wrong. But anyway, it's Matthew 7. I believe that's going to be on the screen. Thank you. And, and follow along in your Bibles or on the screen or on your personal advice. But listen to what Jesus said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Now that last verse tells me something about how Jesus taught. There was something different about the way he was teaching. It was a practical type of teaching. But think about both, both times Jesus says something about practice. If you hear Jesus' words and you practice them, you're like the man who builds his house on the rock. But if you hear these words and don't practice them, you're like a man who builds his house on sand. Foolish. So let's kind of unpack that a little bit. What is Jesus? What do we need to know about what Jesus is saying here? Well, the first thing is I think Jesus wants us to hear and understand that when we really get into his teachings and understand what he's teaching about, we understand that his teachings are first true about life, they're personal, they're authentic, and they're out of a loving relationship. He's not just giving terms. He's saying, no, this is a relationship. And because it's a relationship, I want you to understand these things from that. That it's true, it's authentic, and it's out of a loving relationship. And it's personal. So why do we need to know that? Well, these teachings are, if you think about it, are from the creator of the universe, Jesus. Now, we've just come off of Christmas. And how many times did we read in the Christmas story, he became flesh and what? Dwelt among us. Exactly. He came to earth. God in the flesh, and that's hard for us to grasp. But he knows us because he created us. He knows past history because, if you think about it, God has been a part of history from the very beginning. He knows the present because he is present in the presence with us. He is present with us. And he knows the future because he has planned it and he's omnipresent. Now, that's hard for me to grasp that God is omnipresent. He is always present in the past, in the present, and in the future. But that's how God describes himself. And so Jesus not only taught these foundational truths about life, but people saw that Jesus practiced them. And when we read in the book of Philippians, is he practiced them to the point of death, didn't he? Jesus practiced these things, and people didn't like the way Jesus said, no, you don't necessarily love your neighbor, you shun your neighbor. And Jesus did everything very differently, and ultimately it took him to the cross. And then Jesus rose again to show that his power was over not only sin, but also over death, and that's what ultimately separates us from God. And that shows that it's more about the practice of personal relationship than just simply the practice of religion. 
And Jesus was big on that. It's not just about religion. It's not just something showy. It's something that's practical. You have to practice it every day in every part of your life. Now, I've heard this phrase a lot in the last year or two, and maybe you've heard that this as well. Have you heard this phrase, just checking the box? Have some of y'all heard that phrase? And, and, and it kind of keeps coming up. I keep hearing it in books. I keep seeing it in articles and hearing people say it. But as in anything, and I think this goes along this phrase with anything that's relational but also requires action, the two lines can become blurred, can't they? Am I doing this because I love someone and I care about the relationship? Or am I doing it simply because it's just something I'm checking the box off of? And some of us get in these little, you know, we get in, I'm kind of like, i got to check the box today. I've got my list of stuff and I've got to check it off. And sometimes we can go through with no emotion, no relationship, and we just check these boxes off and we're not really doing them. So I checked the box required, but did it have any meaning relationally with my wife, with my kids, with the people that I work with? Or I simply just did that thing. I did the required action, but where was my heart relationally when I did the action? I did my duty, but it did, it, did it make a difference in the relationships that I'm involved with? And I believe this is a practice that Jesus wants us to build in our life, a practice, a practice of authentic relationship that, yes, I'm practicing certain, certain things, but not because I just have to do them, but because I really care about the relationship and the person and things that I'm doing. You ever have those relational difficulties with people when they think you're just checking the box? You don't have to nod your head. I know we all do, okay? But we do sometimes. And sometimes I get this from my family. It seems like a burden to you. You ever had somebody say that to you? And you feel bad when they say that because you, you were doing it, but your attitude and your relational kind of sometimes feels like oh, you were just doing that because you had to. And sometimes we do things because we have to, but I still love you. I'm not happy about it. I don't want to do this, but I love you and I'm going to do it anyway. And that, that's where those lines get blurred sometimes. But Jesus is saying that matters in the foundation of this relationship, and that's really... The relationship has to be first. It's foundational. The authentic trust and the love that's in a relationship, that should be the motivation to practice what Jesus is asking us to put into practice. We trust him because of the relationship, but we practice these things because we trust that relationship. Because if that's not there, then what's the motivation? If the only motivation is fear, if it's manipulation if it's trying to gain the acceptance that I want and I love, if I keep doing these things, then the, the relationship's not really there because how many things do I have to do before you're going to accept me? How many things are I going to have to do before you really love me, before you're going to really let me in your life? It's got to be something that's really, we're trying to gain the acceptance? No, Jesus says it has to be the relationship first. So Jesus looks at our obedience and hearing what he says, and trusting what he says, and practicing his words is laying a foundation for our life and a relationship. And if we don't trust who Jesus is from the very beginning, you think, well, he was just a good teacher, like many other good teachers. But if he is the creator of the universe, if he really is the son of God, then we need to hear his words and put them into practice. And there can be no other foundation for the relationship without that. And there can be no foundation for the relationship and if, if we don't actually put those words into practice, we can hear them, we can recite them, but if we don't actually practice them, he says, um, you know, we have to put them into practice. And I heard one uh, uh, theologian one time say, he says, there can be no foundation for the relationship and our feet, as he says, can be firmly planted in midair. Think about that. Firmly planted in midair. 
If we will listen to and practice what Jesus teaches, it will build this solid foundation that he's talking about in our lives so that regardless of what happens, we will be able to survive with peace and hope because of the foundation of the authentic trust and love. But Jesus tells us in this text today that hearing these words and yet failing to practice them is like a foolish man who uh, built their house on the sand. They hear it, but they don't put it into practice, and then they will not be able to stand up to the realities of life. Randy Alcorn writes, uh, wrote a little um, blog about a sinkhole. Y'all know what sinkholes are, right? Now think about this in terms of what you put your life on as a foundation. We've seen sinkholes, but then I was, I was looking at some pictures on the internet about cars can be parked on the street, and the next day that car is down in this huge hole. And I heard about a man's house in Florida which completely caved in. Now, when you see that, when people say that, so he goes, that hole came out of nowhere. Well, it came out of nowhere that day, but the reality is that that hole didn't just appear, it maybe appeared that day, but the process was something underground there. There was something going on that had been going on for many years. Underground, there was erosion that was invisible to the top part of the ground, but something underground was going on. It was there all along. And sinkholes, he says, reminds us of two things. First, something can look very good on the outside, can it? It can look very normal on the outside when underneath there's major problems going on. There's not really a firm foundation that have been going on for years. And a disaster is about to happen. And second, our lives are affected by little choices which have these cumulative effects that can result in either moral strength or moral disaster. And I thought that sinkhole is, is a great way of illustrating. Sometimes we practice these things and nobody really knows them and it's under the surface. But then eventually it catches up and there's this sinkhole and there's disaster. And I think that's what Jesus is alluding to. So what do we need to do about practicing? Not just hearing, but practicing what Jesus says. It's different for all of us depending where we are in our life and our relationship with God. But first of all, do we understand and care to hear Jesus' words? Not just the Bible, but really what Jesus said, because Jesus brought all of the law and the prophets into fulfillment. And can you hear, or are you willing to hear Jesus' words daily in your life? Do you practice Jesus' words? What is your motivation to practice them? Is it religious? Is it obligational? Or is it relational? I want to practice these things because I really, truly have this relationship with Jesus. How secure are you in your foundation right now with God? What is that based on? Jesus makes it very clear whether we're wise or foolish builders that guess what will happen? He says the rain will come in both of those instances. doesn't matter if you're wise or foolish, rain's still going to come. Y'all remember, was it Thursday and Friday? It rained all day. It's not a real uplifting day, is it, when it's raining like that? But you see, and it starts to flood in certain places, and you start to get a little nervous. But you say, there's nothing I can do about this. I cannot stop this rain. I'm completely helpless. But the rain will come. He says, strings will rise, and the winds will blow and beat against your life whether you're wise or foolish. So what is your foundation on? The difference is, is in the foundation that we have chosen to lay, and that is through the practices in our life. Do we practice what Jesus has taught us? And that practice must come out of an authentic trust of Jesus and his words to motivate us, motivate something deep within our heart to actually practice what Jesus has said. Now, we know this. And I don't know, maybe some of you are going, Craig, I'm doing good. I don't know what you want me to change in my practices. But each one of us, if we're honest with ourselves this morning, will realize there's some things in our life we really want to change. And maybe we don't know how to do that. So I want to challenge us this morning to think about it has to be a heart connection. 
that we really believe that I trust that what Jesus says and me acting that out is going to make a difference in my life. And we have to, it has to be something in our heart that motivates us. You, you ever had a frustration with a, with a friend or a family member where you've told them over and over again something they complain about all the time? And you go, well, you know what you need to do. And you tell them, and you tell them again, and you tell me, and they're still not doing it. And you just want to go, don't even start complaining again because we've already been through this. So Tim Keller has a great story. He says he had this relative that whenever he got in the car, he would never put on a seatbelt. Does that ever bother y'all? You know, all right. That's one thing my parents taught me, and I've taught my kids. Put your seatbelt on. But he said we had this relative in our family, and he would never put his seatbelt on. We get in the car and we go through the whole thing. I really wish you'd put your seatbelt. I don't need a seatbelt. He just go on. I don't need a seatbelt. He'd just be so frustrated. He would never put a seatbelt on. This went on for years. Every time they got there, you know what I'm going to ask you. I know you're going to tell me to put that seatbelt on, but I'm not putting it on. And just went on for years. And so finally one day they got ready to go somewhere and the relative got in the car and he immediately put on a seatbelt. And everybody in the car goes, what happened to you? And they were looking at him. He kind of laughed and he goes, last week I had a friend who was in a car accident and he went through the windshield and I went to visit him in the hospital. He had over 200 stitches in his face. And that finally made me realize, yeah, I probably should put my seatbelt on. And Tim Keller was like, did you not know people had car accidents? Did you not know that if you don't wear your seatbelt, that's where you go before this? And he says, I didn't even need to ask him all that. I knew there was something through watching somebody's face and seeing somebody's face that you care about and you love with stitches all over him, realizing that was a result that he finally started changing his practice. Now, maybe it's not something that dramatic for us, but I think that's what Jesus is saying. When we lay our foundation on the the words that Jesus says, we start practicing those. I don't really understand. I don't know if I'm going to have a wreck today. I don't know if I'm going to have a relational mess up today. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to buckle up with the words of Jesus and I'm going to practice them in every opportunity I can because I believe and trust that the author of the universe knows what he's talking about and he wants what's best for me in my life. So I think that's a great story. It really kind of brought it to life for me. And then he said this, as Jonathan Ed Edwards used to say, basically, over and over again, it's only when you attach to some truth, that's when real life change occurs. Isn't that true? When we attach our hearts and our minds and our souls, that's when it becomes permanent in our life. And I'm going to practice that. I believe that's true. I trust that. So will 2020 be a year that you're changed for the better? Are we just going to kind of go through the motions again and then just slowly by about March we'll be back in our old habits again? What practices do you and I need to change in our life and what steps are we going to take that? Are you willing to listen to Jesus and put those words into practice? So I want to challenge you with this today. A lot of us are probably already believers in here. I don't know for sure, but a lot of you are already believers. So I want you to name something you want to change in your life, write it down, and then I want you to really seek what did Jesus say about that particular subject. Well, Jesus didn't say anything about me losing weight. I know that's a big one. But if you really look at Jesus' words, he has something to say about every aspect of our life. So I want to challenge all of us. Something you want to change in your life, and I want you to search the Gospels and say, what did Jesus say concerning this particular item? And how can Jesus' words help me in making that change in my life? Well, we're going to give an invitation as we always do. There's maybe somebody here today that needs to for the first time that's willing to admit, you know what, I need to change the foundation of my life. 
I want it to be secure. I want it to be on that firm foundation because I know rains are going to come. I know streams are going to rise. I know winds are going to beat against my life. And I want to be secure in the foundation, regardless of when and where that comes, that I have peace and I have hope in the the God of the universe. So we want to offer that opportunity. And you're ready to put that foundation in Jesus Christ. We're going to offer that opportunity right now. Or if you're looking for a church home where we believe in those teachings of Jesus and we believe we should practice those, if you want to be a part of that, we offer that invitation as well as Mike comes up 